0: And Welcome into the Non-Negotiable Podcast. I'm here today with Justin. Hello, Juz. Hey, Gav. Hey. Uh, Pascal can't be here tonight. He's uh, in a remote part of the Amazon rainforest with a previously uncontacted tribe, picking native flowers for use at the Chiefs' daughter's wedding. But luckily, that's tomorrow, so he should be back in time to uh, preview the Leeds game with us. So, Juz, it's uh, the international break. So let's uh, let's go through some of our internationals. So Big Willie had to pull out last week. Um, Takahiro Tomiyasu didn't make the Japan squad either after he picked up that nasty injury. Um, so first of all, Matt Turner and Austin Trusty both went 90 for the US in a 7-1 win against Granada. Did you see um, Matt Turner safe? No, I didn't. You didn't. Oh, he made a he made a really good save down low to his left. He got down and just flicked it wide. I mean, you know, the US won 7-1, so him and Trusty weren't exactly uh, stretched. But um, yeah, it was a a really good save. I'll I'll try and put a link to it actually in the uh, in the in the podcast if, in the review if I can um, if I can find it because it's definitely uh, definitely worth a look. But Trusty going ninety was was interesting.
1: Uh yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I'm hoping he's going to be uh, you know, an increasingly present figure in the US. I think um I've not really been fortunate enough to see many of his games for Birmingham, but uh it sounds like he's doing really good. Uh fan opinion of him is pretty high. And uh yeah, I definitely think there's some center back spots up for the taking with the US team. So hopefully we we see a lot more of him for the US. He's also a left footed centre back and they're kind of like gold dust in in these days with everybody
0: trying to play out from the back. I know a lot of people don't understand. Why do you have to have a right foot and a left footer? Well, the reason's quite simple. As a left footer, you open your body to play passes a completely different way to a right footer. Yep. And when you're trying to play out from the back, it's important to have that balance. And it's important to have someone on that left side that can open the body up and play out to the left as well as going across the field. You got a right foot over there. It's a lot more difficult to do.
1: Yeah, it it, it does make a lot of sense having uh you know different-footed center backs. Uh, <clears throat> the uh fixation Mikel's had on it since he's been here has been uh, maybe a little bit frustrating at times, and I, I I can I can get some uh you know some fan frustration, but it it does make a lot of sense, and I think it's going to become more and more of a necessity. Absolutely,
0: the game is changing, and you've got to change with it. And with Arteta's system, you absolutely have to have that. You've at very least you have to be two footed, and and Arteta's got a penchant for two footed players too, right? I mean, you know, Tomiyasu is obviously right footed, but he can use his left pretty well. I think Ben White plays some decent passes with his with his left foot too, and I think that's that's something that he likes in them wide positions. It's notable how much Martinelli and Saka have worked on their weaker foot.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, looking at the uh, the current Arsenal squad, I mean, most of them are, are two-footed. The only one I can really, the one that pops into my head the most, maybe, you know, Xhaka, but even he's improved in, in Tierney. Um, Everybody else seems at least capable uh, with their off-foot. And they seem more willing to do it, I
0: think, as well, especially the the shorter passes. It, it, it looks like a simple thing, but when it's on the weaker foot and these guys have spent 20 years kicking the ball in a certain way. And all of a sudden you're being asked to zip passes with the, the other foot. And I, I think they've adjusted quite well to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Um, I mean, it's, it's an uh, important skill to have and something that uh, I'm really surprised some of these professional players go as far as they do being so one footed. You know, you look at someone like Aryan Robin, who was just, you know, incredible, but I mean, he's one of the most one footed players I've seen, you know, it's amazing. <clears throat> Yeah, it, it, is, it is. It is a strange thing. But you, I think with the defenders, you
0: see it a lot more, too, because the game tends to be a little bit refined. But that is, like we said, that is changing. Um, and them left footed centre backs are they are like gold dust. So I think, you know, I I don't think anyone's really expecting Austin trustee to have uh, an incredible 300 appearance Arsenal career. I think it's more likely he gets moved on. But um, this, just the international recognition, the form for Birmingham and the fact that he's a left foot center back should hopefully just push his value up that little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. Um, I, Yeah, like you said, I think there is going to be a, a lot bigger demand for him. And, uh, you know, I mean, it can't hurt. It seems like we've kind of been, the, you know, collecting him a little bit after not having any. So, um, yeah, I think it could definitely increase his value. <clears throat> and elsewhere, um, Estonia, Carl Jacob Hine.
0: Played the full ninety minutes in our one-nil defeat at Hungary, and then again today that was a friendly, and then again today in a two-one loss to Austria in qualifying.
1: I mean, I guess two-one away at Austria probably isn't a bad a bad result. No, yeah, I mean, good for them. I um, it's crazy that he's got so many more appearances for his national team than 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 you know his club, but um, you know, yeah, I mean, it's great for Hein, you know. Yeah, and he's he's a highly rated goalkeeper. Two weeks
0: ended his contract last year. Um, I, I mean, I don't know he's ever going to make it as, but he is he is well thought of at the club.
1: Yeah, I've heard that too. Very well thought of.
0: Yeah, um, Italy. Jorginho played against England. I think he did. He did. He, did he come off or did he play the full ninety? I can't remember, but he um he definitely it. he definitely started. Um and uh they were I only saw the first half of that game and they they got really bossed in, in that midfield. Um but then they played again against Malta yesterday and he was uh he was an unused sub in, in you know, Italy malta It's it's only ever going one way. They they
1: won three 0 and they guess they didn't feel the need to play Jorginho. Yeah, he went off against England too, so um he should be pretty well rested to come back. I don't, uh, let's see. I don't have exactly when he got subbed off, but yeah, he was subbed off. So I, I imagine he'll be pretty, uh, pretty fit.
0: Yeah. I think that wasn't the, uh, like I said, they, they did get a bit of a run around against England, but Jorginho doesn't really run anywhere anyway. So I'm not <laughs> sure that that's going to make much of a difference. And he, he did get, get today off. So um Ukraine Zinchenko played all ninety in their only game of this break, the two 0 defeat to England. Uh, I, I mean, he didn't really overexert himself too much. That game was over pretty early, and was played up played at walking pace for most of it. Uh, sorry,
1: sorry, sorry. Uh, we we'll have somebody at the door. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I you know he's a little bit of a different one because he's such a different uh the the requirements of him for national team is so different from um from what he does at Arsenal well you know position wise at least um but I think it's uh I think it's good that he gets to like you know dabble more in like a a more offensive position uh for the international team and I think it's part of the reason why he's got you know such high technical skills. You know such good eyes for forward passing. So we're fortunate he's only got one game this break. Yeah, that was great news because
0: he's one of the players that you you always worry about when he when he goes away because he does have that injury history. You know he's going to play every minute. He's the Ukraine captain. He's he's by far their best player. So you know he's going to play all the time. But as I said, that game against England was was over pretty quick. It was two goals in the first twenty twenty five twenty six minutes. And the rest of that game was kind of played at walking pace. There were no tasty tackles going in. It, it really didn't. It really didn't mean too much. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, he'll come back com- completely fresh. I mean, he hasn't even had to travel.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's true. Pretty much uh, London the whole time, right? As I understood it.
0: Yeah, training camp in Brentford. He probably. He, I mean, he only had, probably only had to drive 15 minutes from his house.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's convenient. And uh, I mean, England are looking in pretty good shape. Uh two wins. And I mean, Italy was probably the other tough game in their group. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll come on to, we'll come on to England in a a little bit when we we run through, I think I'm probably going to do them last because I think that's the, uh, the standout performer of this international break obviously was uh, a certain star boy. So we'll, we'll come on to that one. We'll come on to that one last Mm -hmm. Um, Switzerland. Granit Xhaka played 66 minutes of a five nil win in Belarus. He scored one, set up another one. Uh, and then they play Israel home tomorrow. I'm guessing that will probably be a more stringent test. He'll probably end up going 90. Uh, it was good that they, that they were able to bring him off though, wasn't it? Cause he's, he's usually one of them players that just plays and plays and plays.
1: Yeah. Jacques is kind of funny. I mean, I honestly, he's one I don't even worry about for international break. You know, he's, he's a machine. Um, I never even considered that he could potentially get injured just because he's, you know, he's so reliable. So, uh, you know, any, any minutes that he does have to play i think is a good thing he's not one i ever worry about either you know
0: yeah that's that's fair that's just you know he's he's always available um and that you know that that availability as well we we always say every manager always picks him and obviously he's a great player but part of the reason is that he's always there you you yeah. never going to have to you know whatever happens Next week, you already know Granit Jack is going to be there and he's going to be able to play. And that is such a massive thing. We've had so many players over the years that have been great players and you're just, if only he could play more. And Xhaka is just there giving you 90 minutes week in, week out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one of his best qualities, honestly. Uh, I mean, you can, you can almost count on one hand, you know, how many games he's missed, you know, for... Well, not counting suspensions, of course, but... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, just ridiculously reliable, and he always puts in, you know, a, a consistent performance on the pitch too. So, um, yeah, he is really he's Mr. Reliable for us. Has been yeah. for years. Yeah, it's the old NFL adage that the uh, the best ability is availability,
0: and uh, yeah. Yeah, sometimes exactly. that you know sometimes that rings true. You can you can have the uh, you can be one of the best players in the world, but if you're never there and um, I mean, just yep. to switch it to something else real quickly, I don't know if you saw this, but Rhys James had to pull out of the England squad with with yet another injury. And this is what I'm saying. Rhys James is an incredibly talented footballer and everyone at Chelsea loves him. He can't play games. And we saw this years ago with Kieran Gibbs. Kieran Gibbs yep. was a cracking little player. When he came through, he was a fantastic player. I mean, my, one of my buddies, um, Bernie the Whammer said to me at one point, <laughs> I don't get how you're how you're getting away with just cloning left backs because we went from Cole to Clichy to to Gibbs and mm-hmm. Gibbs Gibbs to me was a much better player than Clichy. I, I, I don't know how he would ever have got to Ashley Cole levels, but but his development was just stalled because he just couldn't put a run of games together. He'd just be in for a few games, out for a few games, and you can't progress as a footballer doing that. You know, he got capped for England, and it just wasn't sustainable. And that's
1: that availability we're talking about. Yeah, and it's a I mean it's a sad story. Uh Arsenal fans are all too familiar with over the years. Um I feel like you can you can list a number of players like that. But I really liked Gibbs when he was when he was breaking through. I thought he was going to be um something pretty special. And yeah, it's just unfortunately he he never got a run together. No, and it just it, it really hampered his development
0: and it, it got to the point where when he did get on the pitch and play, he was always he was always rusty because he was forever coming back. From something, And I feel like Chelsea have got this issue with with Reece James now where they've they've even tried playing him at right centre back a few times just to take the toll off his body of bombing up and down the right wing. And that's that's just not sustainable. And, and right now, it just doesn't look like he's ever going to be able to put it together. And unfortunately for him and unfortunately for England, um, I think he's going to end up being another one of those cases of players that, that their body just basically let them down.
1: Yeah, and it is really sad, too, because I think Reese James has just, I mean, bags of talent, um, you know, good on both sides of the ball. It, it's, it is, a, a you know, a shame. And I, I feel for the player, you know, but Chelsea can get fucked, of course.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> so on to another player for uh,
0: whom availability has, has been something of an issue. Um, Thomas Partey, we were talking last week that we sent our physio with him to Ghana. And uh, turns out that he's doing God's work out there because Partey was an unused sub today, which uh, which is
1: fantastic news. He well, there, go on. Oh, there's there's rumors he might be carrying a knock. Ah, um, oh,
0: there we go. There's he, no surprise there because he went 90 on uh, was it Friday they played? I believe so. Yeah, he, he went 90 against Angola. Um, and then today he was an unused sub. So here was me thinking that we'd uh thinking that we'd, uh, we'd got lucky and they were uh, giving him a break for us. And it turns out, no, he's injured again.
1: Yeah, there's nothing concrete yet, but there's uh, some photos floating around of him getting his uh, his thigh, his hamstring wrapped. Um, so it would just kind of be, you know, one we'll have to wait on, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. I mean, I think you said in the the group today, uh, you know, he probably is their, their I, I'm not, I don't know the Ghana squad well enough, but I'm sure he's got to be one of their top players. There's no way they don't play him. Unless, uh, you know, something was wrong. So I'm a little concerned. Yeah, well, especially I, I've got to say that did cross my mind
0: and I was trying to stay positive. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was, uh, it did cross my mind that maybe he was because I did think it was a bit weird. It is an African Cup of Nations qualifier. I don't know with them qualifiers and <clears> how <throat> important it is to win every game if you can afford to take a game or two off. I just I just don't know enough about the qualifying for that to, to know what the deal is with it. Um, but I, uh, it was my fear when I saw that he was on the bench today, that maybe he was carrying something. But then I thought, well, we sent our physio over, so maybe he'd been having a word in the coach's ear, you know. So I guess, yeah. you know, and maybe it was our physio that was wrapping East Eye and saying to him, Thomas, just
1: put that limp on a bit for us.
0: Let's, <laughs> let's look on the price side and hope that that's, that's what was going on.
1: Yeah, I mean all we can really do is uh is hope right now. I, I hope it's nothing serious. It was just precautionary. Um I'm sure with our physio there, uh Ghana was gonna be more careful with them anyways. Um Yeah, but- and by agreeing to
0: let him go out there, you've got to think that was Ghana's plan because you you know, they're not gonna let him go on international duty with the player and then just say to him, Fuck you, he's playing no matter what. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there was some consultation, at least, you know. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully, he's nothing and he's he's ready to play against against Leeds. Um, Leandro Trossard went uh, an hour for for Belgium last week, and they play Germany tomorrow. Uh, Kieran Tierney, uh, I believe he went all ninety as they beat Cyprus three 0 and they play Spain tomorrow, um, which will bring us on to Norway, who played Spain. Uh, lost 3-0, and while it was still 0-0, Rodri tried to kill Martin Odegaard in the penalty area. I assume you've
1: seen that one. I did, yeah, I saw that one. Absolutely ridiculous, honestly. Um, how is it not a pen? I mean, I, I didn't watch the whole game, I just saw the that that tackle, but it looked, I mean, he was two, three seconds late.
0: Yeah, how it's not a pen and how it's not a red card is insane. Anywhere else on the pitch, that is yep. that is a free kick, and it is probably a red card. It just seems like in the area, because you get your shot away, anything goes afterwards. And, you know, this is, this takes us back to the penalty that we got against Man City, right, that, that mm-hmm. Eddie got when Edison came out. And funnily enough, Edison did this exact same thing again in the Champions League, but he did it outside his area. Uh-huh. But Eddie got the shot away and Edison takes it out. And at first you're kind of like, well, no, that's not a penalty. And then you start to think, but why isn't it a penalty? Because it doesn't matter that he's got the shot away. First off, he's had to adjust his body because Edison's jumping out at him. But he still fouled him afterwards, right? And this is Mm -hmm. exactly the same thing. rodri has gone in for a, a, you know, it's a last-ditch block attempt. But he went in with some force. That wasn't just putting your body in front of the ball. And I'm not saying that he saw it was Martin Erdegaard and and decided to go charging in and leave something on him. But
1: he did go in stronger than he needed to. Yeah, Absolutely um i i was i was really surprised by the 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 kind of you know ferocity of the tackle to be honest um uh i i don't think he saw it was martin and and you know went harder or something like that i, I don't i don't think um you know it was intentional but i i don't understand uh how it wasn't called it's just crazy to me you know it really is and i well, he, it's he just, kind man, of a worry that. the the view
0: on Arsenal players in England with the refs and VAR is being carried over to international football. That's yeah. that's a concern because Saka gets refed a similar way too. Yep. How things get let go. I mean, look at England going out of the World Cup with the blatant foul on Saka, and France got the other end and score. Mm-hmm. It, that's the sort of thing that that happens to happens to us all the time, where he's not getting free kicks and but that that Odegaard one it really was a it really was an absolutely disgraceful tackle and like I said I thought it was a red card not just a penalty I yeah. thought it should have gone um I'm quite glad it wasn't because now he's gonna have to play again against Scotland uh yeah. where hopefully Kieran Tierney will go straight through the back of him at some point <laughs> to uh just just remind him who he's dealing with
1: yeah yeah I'm I'm uh yeah I'm pretty upset about that one uh Martin looks okay, though. Um, yeah, I mean, he
0: got, there was a little bit of a grimace, but he got up okay. We are very fortunate that he didn't have his foot planted mm-hmm. um, because I think if he'd have had the foot that he got, I, mean, I think he made contact with his left foot, and I think if that had been planted, that ankle would have been snapped. Um, and if the right foot had been planted, then there's a good chance that the hitting the left, that contact would have spun him around and he'd have been in trouble with his knee joint opening up. So I mean, we got very lucky that he was he was off the floor, you know, post post shot yeah um because that that could have been nasty that could have been a lot worse and you know there's we've got f- nearly all of our players really are key because we we've got backups but there is a drop off to the backup and we're about to go to anfield and then go to the etihad we can't afford to be down players um especially yeah. when our system is built around the first 11 and you've seen it when the players come in there is a drop-off. It's not that the players aren't good. There is just a drop-off in
1: tactical awareness as much as anything else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and I mean that's just the way it is, you know. I mean, maybe Manchester City can field, you know, two full teams, but I mean most other clubs will have a drop-off, especially when you're talking about a player as good as Odegaard, you know. Well, and when you've got a team that play in in, in a the way
0: that we do that relies so much on everybody knowing what everyone else is doing at all times. When you take someone out and put them in, even if you're putting in another world-class player, which in some positions we are putting in, we are taking out a great player and putting in another great player. But if they're not involved in the game all the time, how often do we see this in the Europa League where you make four changes and all of a sudden it it looks like a completely disjointed outfit because you've taken out players that have formed partnerships?
1: Yep. Yeah, and just you know, you're playing a collection of people that don't play as consistently together. I mean, sometimes it's as simple as that.
0: Yeah, it is, and and you know, and even besides that, obviously Martin Odegaard is is one of the best players in the world. He's the orchestrator of everything that we do. He's the tactical leader on the pitch. So that would be a that would be a devastating blow to us. I mean, they they play again tomorrow night in Georgia, and uh, I'll be sitting there with everything crossed, hoping he comes through that one unscathed
1: yeah same and you know it's 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 Odegaard for Norway so I imagine he'll do 90 uh I think yeah, he... oh absolutely
0: yeah, yeah absolutely he's gonna do 90 it's uh it's not a friendly it's a uh, it's a qualifying game so he, yep. he's, he's absolutely gonna do 90 no question uh England under 21s Emil yep. Smith Rowe gets 65 minutes gets the opening goal uh good header into the bottom corner arriving perfectly timed into the box uh great for ESR right I, I think this this could be just what he needed at this point
1: yeah you know um I said something to you like you know it's ridiculous they're calling him up uh with how little he's played but you kind of uh reframed it in a way that um I have to agree with now and I think that uh this this run out is is uh it's only good for us you know him getting uh I think he got 66 minutes which is which is perfect because we're not really in the situation where we can um uh you know like let him get up to speed. You know, every game is so important. We're we're out of Europa League, so you know, we have ten league games left. So for him to get, you know, some some match fitness, uh goal, some confidence hopefully is, is massive. Um and they play tomorrow as well, Croatia under twenty ones. So wouldn't be yeah. surprised to see him get another seventy minutes or so.
0: Yeah, and we're in a situation with ESR where we haven't had him all season. So you don't miss what you haven't had right so if something did happen as it would be terrible for for esr but looking at it from a team's point of view it really wouldn't be any different and i'm i'm really struggling to see where the minutes are going to come from for for esr at the minute i i, I really am i think it, it, it and and i don't mean to go into the future with this because next year is going to be a completely different year he's going to have a, a pre-season under his belt and it's going to be completely different but for the rest of this year for 10 games you've got Trossard and Martinelli are the top two options on the left you've got Jesus and I think it's probably Trossard he's the alternate up front now yeah. um, but you know Eddie's going to be coming back I don't know when but he'll be back at some point and then in that left eight Vieira is being played there more and more so I just I do wonder where the minutes are going to come from and you know there was a big big part of Smith-Rowe's career was it last year where he come on and just kept scoring when he come on yeah which is great because we need what our technical impact is off the bench I just wonder if he's been jumped in the queue a little bit by Reese Nelson and between now and the end of the season there are there will be a game or two where we are going to need something off of the bench. I just wonder when Arteta looks down the bench, if he's going to be looking, I mean, his first sub on, is going to be Trossard or, or Martinelli, whichever one of them's sitting there. And I just wonder when he gets beyond that, if Reese Nelson is behind Vieira in the line and in front of Smith Rowe, you know?
1: You know, I'm, I'm not a, a fortune teller or anything, but I, I would think that Smith Rowe is going to jump ahead of Vieira um, now that he's available. Ahead of Vieira? Yeah, in that left eight role. I Oh, I, wow. I I honestly
0: I I don't see that, but that's that's interesting.
1: So, um there were reports I I think James might have said this, James McNicholas, but uh it could have been someone else now I heard it last week, but uh he I think been... it was
0: James Bench that he was training in midfield.
1: Yeah, exclusively in midfield is basically. Yeah, I think it was James he... Bench that said that. Yeah, and I, um, I do. I think um, what we what we might see is a little bit of a shift to maybe Vieira and Nelson covering the right wing, and you, we're going to see Smith Rowe. Now, again, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but let's not forget Smith Rowe was uh, our second leading goal scorer last season. Saka only edged him by one, um, and he was probably our best impact player coming off the bench, able to turn a game on its head. I, th- I think he's going to be.
0: Uh, he, was, he was, but Arteta spent an awful lot of money on Vieira since then. And I do wonder at this point if... if he, Arteta seems very, very invested in getting Vieira into the team in some way or another. He gives him as many chances as he can. And I I, I mean, I, I would be shocked, honestly, if, he, if, if ESR jumped Vieira this season. I, I, in the summer, next season, whatever. But for these next 10 games... I just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't see it. I just don't see
1: it. I mean, would you think Vieira is better than Smith Rowe right now? Uh,
0: do I think that? No, I think he might be. I think he's fitter than Smith Rowe. Yeah, fair. Um, but That's probably true. The other thing that, the other thing to bring up here is, I don't know, and, and you got to be careful here because Vieira because. Arteta was very careful with Martinelli when Martinelli came back and and how he used him and stuff. But the way Arteta talks about Smith-Rowe, he talks about Smith-Rowe a lot. Like, Smith-Rowe has to do this and he has to do that. And it kind of seems like there's maybe a little bit about him that isn't quite as professional as it should be. And I don't know this for sure. Um, I'm just going by what Arteta says about him. But when he's talking about Eddie and Katya, it's I love him. Uh, He's been really hard done by. He's the one that deserves chances. He doesn't talk about Smith-Rowe like that. He talks about Smith-Rowe that he needs to work hard to get back in the team. And -hmm. he needs to prove this and he needs to prove that. I just wonder if there's something attitude-wise that Arteta isn't that keen on with ESR.
1: I mean, it's it, it's possible for sure. I mean, you're right. I definitely notice a, a difference in the way he talks about the players. I just kind of always assumed maybe, you know, s- you know, different things work for different players. You know, absolutely, so, it does. And yeah. some players
0: need a rocket up the arse, and some players need an arm around the shoulder. That's that's a hundred percent true. It, it's just the way he speaks about ESR. I've I'm just not a hundred percent convinced that that he likes what he sees all the time. And I just, I think he he absolutely loves Fabio Vieira. I I mean, you like Fabio Vieira a lot more than I like Fabio Vieira. He, I I think he's had a good couple of weeks at one point. I'll be honest with you. I don't know he's ever going to grow into a real Premier League player. I don't, I haven't seen it personally. I haven't even seen it really in flashes. Um, I think he's ineffective a lot of the time. And if it was up to me, yes, I would prefer Smith Rowe. I think he's, I think physically, um not fitness wise, unfortunately, but physically in terms of build and size, he's better suited to the Premier League. I think he's a very clever player, um, and for that left left eight role, I think the way he can arrive in the box is almost Aaron Ramsey like, mm-hmm. and I think that would be a huge thing there. I'm just not convinced that Arteta sees it that way.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, it'll be one to watch. I I have a feeling though we're we're going to see a lot more. I can't refute anything said about Vieira, but you know, Smith Rowe also hasn't been available. So I'm wondering if, uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm wondering. I wouldn't be surprised uh, personally if we start seeing Smith Rowe getting those minutes from Vieira, though. Um, It's kind of my thought about it. I mean, he got the 10 shirt. There was a lot said positive about him when he signed that deal. I think uh, it's more about, I think if there's a lack of trust there from Arteta, it's uh, about availability, but... Um, you know I can't I can't speak to attitude I I just will say I've not heard anything negative about Smith Rowe it's just the uh, you're absolutely right though the way he talks about certain players is is different I feel like he's even had more glowing reviews of Nelson than Smith Rowe Um, yeah and
0: again you're right that could just be the way that he perceives the player needs to be managed it just, I don't know, just the way he talks about him. It, it, if there's a reason a player needs to be managed like that, or you feel there is, then, you know, there's something behind it, right? Yeah. So yeah, if, if he feels that that Biffro constantly needs to be pushed, you don't find many players at the top end of football that need to be pushed. Yeah. So I don't mm-hmm, know. We'll, we'll see where that goes. I mean, the younger age groups, the under 17s, Lewis Skelly, played and uh Waniere scored twice. The first one was a pitch. Did you see that? So, I didn't uh, see
1: the goals, no but he it?
0: uh got the ball on the edge of the box, a little shuffle of the feet. There was no room whatsoever. And uh, he shuffled it from his left foot onto his right, right at the edge of the D and uh, and found the corner. It was a it was a real nice goal. Um and another talented player, he's, he's there's a lot of talk that I think Lewis Skelly has basically agreed a contract, a professional contract. Mm-hmm. Um, Wanyeri hasn't yet, and there's there's a lot of talk of Chelsea, there's talk of Manchester City coming in. There's nothing we can do about it at the minute. He's still 15, he's not 16 yet, so he can't sign a new deal, right? Um, we are going to lose some young players, that's for sure. Um, because you know, for a lot of people, there's not going to be a pathway into this first team. That's what happens when you get better and you've got better players, it's right. harder to get in. Um, but you know, players of that age there's no, no one can have any idea how Waniere is going to be when he's 20, you know, at 15, he's obviously one of the most promising players in his age group, but you can't lose sleep over it. Right.
1: Yeah. You know, uh, uh, our fan base goes like absolutely rabid too, over these youngsters. I remember, um, uh, the, before we got Balogun to sign, I don't even think he'd made a senior appearance for Arsenal. Definitely not in the league at least. And, uh, you know, people were losing their minds over it. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. The fact of the matter is, is we're not going to be able to hold on to all of them. Um, you know, it's just the way it is. It's a it's a good pipeline to some easy money as well, being able to cash in on some of these kids as they get better. But I will say I don't see any other, you know, top six club giving him his debut at 15. I think even as good as we are, we've showed that uh, we're a better pathway for uh, youngsters to get into the first team. I think he'd be crazy to go to Chelsea um, just with the way they're throwing cash at any single problem they have. So I'd like to keep the player, you know, but I mean, if he doesn't want to stay, he wants to, to, you know, seek greener pastures, you know, it, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, and with these youngsters, like I was saying, no one knows how it's going to turn up. I remember when Tottenham took a player called John Bostock from Crystal Palace, and they paid a million quid for him when he was 15, and everyone went nuts about it. He never made a senior appearance there, and now he's playing non-league for Notts County. Um, Leeds had two youngsters go to Chelsea that ended up going to a tribunal. I think one of them was Michael Woods, maybe, Um, and I can't even remember the other one's name. Neither of them made it. So you just, you know, at that age, at 15, you don't know which way players are going to go. You just yeah. can't tell. So there's no point in losing sleep over it. Um, it's good that we've got another promising crop coming through. But right now, all they are is is promising players.
1: Yeah, exactly. So,
0: all right, let's cut that there because um, we're going to be coming on to the uh, to the England game next. And I know there's some stuff to talk about with uh, Bakayo Saka and, and what he's been doing over this break and everyone else catching on to what we already knew. So we'll see you in the second half and uh, and we'll get into it then. All right. Welcome back to the Non-Negotiables podcast. This is part two. So let's start part two with uh, a little bit of chat about England and more succinctly about Bukayo Saka because everyone else is now noticing what we already knew two years ago. Um, In the first game against Italy, it was his cross that went for the the first goal. It was his corner that led to the... Oh, no, it was his corner that led to the first goal. His cross that led to the penalty for the second goal. And then against Ukraine... He set one up and two minutes later cut inside and bent a brilliant shot into the top corner. Um, The whole of England is now going mad for him. Uh, There are some good stats for you here. So he's played 26 times for England. That's how many caps he's got. He's been man of the match nine times in 26. So more than a third of the time. And they haven't even all been starts, those 26. So that's that's a pretty amazing one. He's been the England, I think he's been the England player of the year, two years in a row. Um, he's nailed on to be the England hero of the year again. Um, so it really is quite amazing what he's achieving. And I know everybody's looking at this goal scoring record that Harry Kane's putting out there and thinking it will never be beaten. There's a chance that it's, that the person who's going to break, it's already in the team because Saka's has probably got another hundred, 120 caps to go.
1: Yeah. His, his rise has been, you know, nothing short of, of meteoric. And I, um, uh, you know, it's crazy. People are, are are a little late to the game here, but I mean, the, the kid's just been phenomenal and been, you know, probably England's best player since, well, I mean, almost going back to the Euros now, right? Um, yeah, he's been England's best player for a couple of years at least. And, you know, and a lot of this
0: you've got because we weren't doing particularly well. I think part of the part of the discussion was clouded by that he's the best player in a struggling team. Right. Now you can't really deny that. i, I got a friend who's a, a Spurs fan who who someone tweeted out something like, oh, England have only got two world-class players, Saka and Harry Kane. And he responded, there's no way Saka's world-class. And I, I said to him, well, your opinion to me is now absolutely invalid on anything <laughs> that involves an Arsenal player. Because he's not like that normally, but anything about Arsenal, he wants to deny immediately. Right. And a lot of people are are like that. But you can't, I I bet you today he would say, and that was only two weeks ago. And I bet you today he'd go, yeah, I was wrong.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of opinions about soccer are changing. And I, the crazy thing is, he's not doing, you know, that much different. I think people are just finally catching on or, or realizing that, you know, he's not just having a good game here and there. I mean, this is, this is soccer. This is who he is. This is, you know, um, he's consistently this good you know
0: yeah Uh, I think the only difference is is that he's getting older and naturally with that the end product is is coming right mm -hmm. like that's the difference between and I've I've told you I've told you this for years the last two or three years Saka is going to be a 25 30 goal a season player that is what he's going to be that is where he that is where he's going and it just hasn't it just—it's coming with age, as it always does. If you look at his goal-scoring record and stick it up next to Cristiano Ronaldo, for example, yeah, his goal-scoring record is very similar to Ronaldo's at a certain age. Like he's going up in exactly those kind of fashions. I'm not right. saying he's going to be 37 and, and still scoring, you know, hat tricks every week, but the point is, is that that is kind of the trajectory that he's on.
1: Yeah, I mean that he's he's getting so good at, you know, uh cutting inside now too. Um it's really great to see. I mentioned Robin here, but it 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 reminds me just a, a little bit of that. You know, it's and the interesting thing about Saka is, you know, if he is closed down on his left or whatever, I mean, he's really capable with his right too. So he's not just a cut inside merchant. You know, he's uh just a brilliant player.
0: Yeah, I mean the crossing he's getting better off of the off of the right foot. And the finishing. I mean, we've seen a couple of, of right foot finishes—one against Leeds, and you know where he just lashes the ball into the into the roof of the net.
1: Mm-hmm. And he,
0: it's that's the wrong foot, and it's he's clearly worked on that, and it makes you almost unstoppable. Ronaldo did something very similar. Ronaldo was an incredibly hard working player. He started off and he was all right foot, and he was very much a one trick pony. Yep. By the time he was twenty four, <clears throat> he was scoring thirty a season off either foot. Yep. And I think that's how you've got to develop. And if you're willing to develop your game like that and Saka also is pretty good in the air, which is crazy. Cause he's five foot four, five foot five, but he's actually very good in the air. We aim some of those long balls out towards him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's really stout too, you know, for his size. I mean, I've seen, you know, several defenders just kind of bounce right off. Him. And uh, yeah, he really is just kind of the, 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 the perfect little player, really. I mean, even if you tried to poke holes in the game, there's there's not many.
0: No, there's not. And the way, the way he receives the ball, he's, you know, he's changed the way he receives the ball because he's learned how to get the ball on the move so that he's not got his back to his defender all the time, so he's not getting kicked as much. He's very robust touch wood, you know, because he, he needs to be playing 60, 70 games a season for, for the next 10 years. And if you're going to do that, you've got to be, you've got to be robust. And I think yeah. that's, that's something, that's a part of his game that's, has kind of been a little bit underappreciated until now. When you look and you see, I think he's played, what, 140 career games already. That's that's an incredibly important part of the game too, like we were saying in the first part. And I just think it, everyone else is now catching up. I, I remember when when they said the contracts had been agreed. Um, God, please sign it soon. But when they said the contracts had been agreed and it was 180 grand a week, that's half of what I was expecting him to be paid. I think if that is the contract when it gets signed, I think we've got the deal of a century.
1: Yeah, I heard I heard some rumors today that uh, it was like three hundred k. Is that um... that
0: would to me that would make more sense because that's where I thought it would be. Um, but when the initial reports were, I haven't seen that. But when the initial reports were leaked, it was said that it was going to be one hundred and eighty thousand a week. I was expecting, I was expecting, I thought it was going to be the Aubameyang contract.
1: Yeah, you know, and he would have deserved that. Um absolutely. He would have uh and you know, I mean, he's just such a uh, uh how can I word this? Like I wouldn't worry about giving him so much money and expecting him just to turn off, you know, like like Ozil or or like Yang did. Um you know, no, and he's
0: the, he's the right age, right? There there's right. you know, you you pay people for what they're going to do, not what they have done. That's right. that's kind of the key to it. You know, that's the problem is that I mean, Ozil was still young and there were other factors involved in the the Ozil thing. But the Aubameyang contract was madness when we gave it to him because he was 31 years old and we were paying him for what he had done, not what he was going to do. Best case scenario with that contract, if it had worked out of Aubameyang, the last year would have been pointless for us anyway, because at 34, he's not going to be, he wasn't ever going to be scoring goals in the Premier League. So we were basically paying on the front end for nothing on the back end this is a very different scenario. You're paying possibly the best right winger in the world right now, certainly a top three, um, and you're paying him over the next five years, which is going to be... I think the ages of where you peak has probably changed a little bit. Squads are actually getting younger, not older, and I think those wide players tend to be younger. I think Messi and Ronaldo doing what they've done until the ages they've done, and, and Lewandowski as well a little bit, um have kind of skewed <laughs> skewed reality because yeah. it is not normal to be doing that at thirty-five, thirty-six, thirty-seven years old. There's not many people that are ever going to do that. So I think for a wide player, I mean you look at Sterling, Sterling is very much on the downslope of his career and he's yeah. twenty eight. Um so I think for a wide player, the peak of your career now is probably twenty two to twenty six, I would guess. So you're you're paying for his prime years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just uh uh sorry uh it looks like sammy mokul for the daily mail that's that's who's saying 300k a week um and this was today
0: yeah and so, that's i've got no i've got no issue with that whatsoever i think that's that's money incredibly well spent
1: yeah and i mean it it's it's uh it's an investment you know for for now and the future um you know i I don't know, know what I would do if, if, if Sock ever left, you know, but you know, we don't really feel under threat for that either, or at least I don't, you know, I, I feel like he's, um, you know, he's exactly where he wants to be. He's pretty much the face of the team. I mean, w- wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. And we,
0: you know, at the minute he's in a very exciting young side that looks like it's going places. And if you know, over the next few years, we're challenging for the biggest honors in the game, then why would you move and i would love him to be a, a one club guy you know oh, i would yeah. i would love him to i would love him to make as many appearances for us as he can and 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 stay forever it would be it would be fantastic um if if we don't hit those heights then i think we'll we'll lose him you know i i, I don't think there's another i don't think there's any way around that he's going he's going to be he's already one of the best players in the world he's yeah. going to be one of the I'll say it right now. He's going to be one of four or five best players of this generation. So you have to put a team around him that's capable of lifting him to those heights.
1: Otherwise, he's going to. Otherwise, he's going to go. But don't you feel more comfortable about that putting a team around him than you have in the past eighteen years or so? I mean, it- oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. Every look, we had a we had a player that was
0: on a similar track in Cesc Fabregas, right? Uh-huh. The difference there is obviously he was a Barcelona boy Barcelona were the best team in the world at that point so I could understand why he wanted to go back there. Saka obviously is a Haaland kid so hopefully his roots are here and he doesn't have that desire to leave but Fabricas if we'd have been winning titles was challenging for European cups I'm not so sure the drag from Barcelona would have been as strong. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. Um you know and and is a player that PSG uh Real Madrid and Barcelona if they can get their finances sorted out those clubs are going to want him you know let alone Manchester United and, and Manchester City of course they're all they're all going to want him he he's going to have his pick of any club in the world any club so it, it, you know at some point if we do fall short we are going to we are going to face a fight but hopefully it doesn't come to that we've got a young squad that are all growing together and like i said providing we can provide him we can keep putting out teams that are challenging for the biggest honors in the game. Why would he move? And, you know, and there there is some uncertainty around Man City at the minute with all these FA charges. Yep. I would be shocked if they got relegated or anything like that. But there there may be punishments severe enough to hamper them and at least, you know, at least try and level the playing field a little bit for everybody else.
1: Yeah, I think if if nothing else hopefully it it closes some loopholes that they've benefited from. Um yeah, and stop Saudi Arabia from
0: doing that with Saudi Arabia and if Man United get owners in from Qatar or wherever hopefully it will stop them doing that with them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's, you know, the the least we can hope for.
0: Yeah. So, but but yeah, I'm not. I'm, I mean, this contract, I always felt like this contract was a given. It's was the next one that was going to be the the tough one for Saka. But hopefully, we can keep challenging if we can get him and Saliba tied up, and then the next one, like we said, was going to be was going to be Erdegaard. If mm-hmm. we can get that, and we can get four or five years out of this group of players, I, I don't see why not. The
1: sky's the limit for him, right? Yeah, exactly. And then I think um, when you talk about <laughs> Um, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, it's like, uh, sometimes I I have a hard time wrapping my head around, like, why would you want to go be uh, like a, a footnote for those kind of clubs when you could be, you know, not like Arsenal doesn't have a ton of history and a ton of great players, but I mean, Saka could be, you know, an absolutely legendary player for Arsenal. And, um, you know, the competition for some of those Spanish giants is ridiculous, kind of player you
0: know well when you look at gareth Bale, went there scored a shit ton of goals won five european cups and there's madrid fans who won his head and call him a flop that's true
1: yeah uh, it's and a and that's, ins-
0: that's insane like whichever there is no measure by which gareth Bale was not a huge success in madrid yeah. except in the eyes of certain madrid fans i mean these are fans that booed ronaldo
1: yeah fickle bunch that's for sure yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought we were bad. They're 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 insane, but yeah, I'd like to say hopefully that that contract will get signed and we haven't got to, we haven't got to worry about it for a for a while. And providing we can be competitive on the pitch, and he's a very marketable asset, which should hopefully drive the drive the club further forward. Uh, but I just thought it was it's interesting that everyone else is now catching on to to what we all knew, and the talent is is undeniable. Um, no matter what shirt he's got on, the talent is undeniable. So it's it's been a great it's been a great week for him really, and hopefully he'll come back supercharged up and ready to go for this running.
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, this has got to be you know massive for his confidence, and you know doing it on the international stage, being able to 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 come back is. I, I mean, yeah, I, I just think he's going to be you know really excited to get back on the Emirates pitch for sure.
0: Yeah, and from from a club like ours that are going places and looking to challenge and. You know, we have all these great players coming into the prime of their careers. We look across North London and um, <laughs> hilariously, Antonio Conte is sacked on Mikel Arteta's birthday. Uh, the inevitability of Conte, I believe is what they say. Um, and funnily enough, Mikel Arteta got him sacked, right?
1: I definitely think we play a big role. Um in what's going on at Tottenham right now. Uh, and you know, they're not even doing bad, you know I mean? No, but I think that I think specifically, I don't think it's
0: just because we're top of the league. I think it's because Mikel Arteta is top of the league. And I think they've looked at what Arteta did has done at ours. And they've looked at what they've done in bringing in a lot of these short-term, uh, win now managers who never win. Um, and I think that is what got Conte to sack. I think Conte was sacked because he's not Mikel Arteta. Uh, I don't think, I, I, I know I've heard Nagelsmann's mentioned and uh, who else was, Who else? I can't even remember. Who, oh, Pochettino going back there. Pochettino, maybe. I don't think they'll go for Nagelsmann, personally. Um, I think that what they are going to try and do, I think they're going to try and repeat the Arteta trick. I think they're going to go and get someone young who's going to be happy to work with a, a younger squad and see what they can do. And I think they're about to find out how hard that is.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think Nagels would actually be a pretty good shout for them. Um, the only thing I would be concerned about if I was a Tottenham supporter is are you bringing in another manager that is just viewing you as a stepping stone? Uh, I, I think you that... would be
0: a hundred percent. I think you yeah, would be, I don't think there's any doubt about it. It wouldn't surprise me if they went for, and I'm just plucking names out of the air, but someone like a Tom Huddleston who's been coaching at Man United for the last year and a half. And I mean, they might not go that low. They might find someone, someone you know, similar, maybe an ex-player who's, who's been an assistant or, a, or a, a coach high up somewhere and and do that. I just, I, I think, like I said, I just think Arteta's, Arteta, as much as Conte contributed to it, the fact is that Spurs have been punching above their weight for a while with the top four finishes. They're exactly the same place now as they were last year. There ain't no difference. Um, you know, the last few years, they've been around the same place. I mean, Pochettino
1: didn't really do anything more, right? I mean, at least they played pretty attractive football. You know, their football in the past you know, 18 months has been dying. Um... Well, this is what I always said about Mourinho, though, is
0: that you can play that kind of football and win. You can play good entertaining football and lose for a while. You can't play that brand of football and lose. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I think I think that is a that is a big part of it. Um yeah, it'd be it's interesting to see where they go. Like they've put in that Stellini to the end of the year with with Ryan Mason as his his assistant. And I guess at the end of the year Stellini will go and they'll they'll replace with whoever. But I just I'm at the point with them and I I don't see anywhere they're going other than backwards. You know, they've they've got what they have over the last few years off the back of two world-class players who are both now past their prime. Even Kane, I know he's still scoring goals, but he can barely move anymore. He's past his prime. Sonny's definitely on the downswing.
1: I don't see how they can replace those players. So I don't really see where they can go. Let let me ask you this. just uh, I don't want to turn this into a Spurs podcast or anything, but in the situation they're in right now, in your most unbiased opinion... Would you try to cash in on Kane this summer and rebuild, or would you still? I thought still they should have done it up? last summer. I How thought it think? was
0: absolutely moronic of them not to take the money for Kane yeah. last summer. I, I don't know what realistically they think they're going to get for him this summer. I mean, where's the market for him? It's only Manchester United. There yeah. ain't anyone else that's going to that's going to want him unless maybe you can convince Top Bowley to spend all that money on another forward. But it's only Manchester United. I, I just I don't see they're not getting a hundred million for him this summer like they could have last year or the year before. Yep. So I think it's, it's one of them things where sometimes you have to know when to let go of a player um, and they got it wrong and we've got it wrong in the past too. Yeah.
1: I was about you know, to say, it, yeah,
0: it's not, uh, it, it's not something that's just, that's just down to them um but but the reaction to to levy from their fan base and stuff I, I think it's outrageous to be quite honest with you i don't know what they expect they are what they are as a club in their entire history they've won two league titles. the last one was in nineteen sixty one yeah when when levy came in, they were a club that were regularly in the bottom half of the table so what are you you know what are you complaining about at this point and and this is the problem with them being anointed as part of some big six. How can you be part of a big six when you never win anything? I I just, I've never understood it. I don't understand how they're thought of as part of a big six when they're not, they've just got a big shiny NFL stadiums playing. That's, that's it. There's nothing else about them that screams big six club.
1: Yeah. I think the line really was pretty much drawn over the financials. Wasn't it? Uh, If I remember correctly. um... I just,
0: I don't get it. I honestly, I don't, there is nothing that anyone's going to say that will convince me that a club that haven't won a title, in 60 years they haven't even won anything in in the best part of 20 nothing at all and even going back before that they never won anything so there's you're just not going to convince me that that's part of the big six when the other part of the big six are Liverpool who have won 20 league titles Man U who won 20 or something we've won 13 you've got Man City and Chelsea that have won like 10 between them over the last 20 years yeah you can't convince me that Spurs belong in that group because they just don't so well we'll move on from that because that's uh, <laughs> that's that's their problem but yeah I'm not I, I really don't care who they bring in next I just thought it was the inevitability of Conte was was funny because I never liked the guy um and uh yeah I was uh I, I wish they'd have kept him <laughs> I would like yeah. to see him renew his contract but I mean it
1: it was it was entertaining uh I mean not even just as Arsenal fan I think you know the the league uh you know some of his press conferences have been uh Uh, pretty shocking and um, yeah I mean he'll be missed for sure he's a character
0: yeah yeah that's that's definitely a way to put it (laughs) a bit of uh, a bit of online conversation this week as uh, there's been two conversations there's been uh, how many of this team would get into the Invincibles team and I really don't want to do that um, for a, a couple of reasons first off Football is completely different now to where it was in 2003-2004. Formations are completely different. I don't think the players are better now. I think you could put Patrick Vieira, Thierry, Henry, whoever you want in any of these teams and they would be monsters. But the way they're used, I think, is completely different. And the way tactics have evolved, I think if you put that Invincibles team on the field with our team now, I think the team now would win 4 0. And yeah. I don't think it's because the players are better. I think it's just because the understanding of space, um, the analysis around the game, I think has just improved to the point where the optimum performance that you get out of players now just it wasn't a thing in 2004. So I don't want to do that debate. The one that I found kind of fun was uh, what is the best 11 from Arsenal that have played in the Emirates era? So that's a that's an interesting one. Have you uh, have you had any thoughts on this?
1: Well, to be honest, I mean, there it, it'd basically be like what couple players from the Emirates era would you add into this current team, right? Because I mean, you got to think you're probably taking you know seventy five percent of the current team, right? Um, yeah, be-
0: absolutely. That's exactly that's exactly how how I looked at it too. Um, I, I think you've got. You know, I, I think for me, I think Ramsdale is in goal, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a there's a question. I mean, number Help. two is who? Chesney, maybe. But it's but Ramsdale is in goal. I don't yeah. see that about that, that. The big one that I disagree with a lot of people, a lot of people went for Bakary Sanya at right-back. I was never a fan of Bakary Sanya. I don't think he's even our best right-back at the Emirates era. I think early Hector Bellerin was better than Sanya. Mm-hmm. He, Sanya was possibly the worst player going forward that I've ever seen. Um, I, I you know Bellerin was bad going forward he was awful crossing wise um, but I think Sanya was even worse for me I would go Ben White there what, what do you think
1: I would go Ben White too but I think that's a little harsh on Sanya I thought he had a pretty good cross on him um, he was decently consistent, I thought um,
0: I, I know pretty- a lot of people were higher on him than me I just I, I, I never really I never really liked him to be honest I just didn't I never thought he was a particularly good player he was a steady player yeah, uh, steady. Yeah, but yeah. I I don't think there was ever anything spectacular about him. And I those the early Bellerin days when he was really exciting, one of the most exciting young fullbacks in Europe. Yep, me I would take that over Sanya, but I would take White over any iteration of of, either of them.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going White too for sure. Yeah, early Bellerin was really good. Um, but you know another factor, and I don't even know if you want to do all this. I don't want to overcomplicate. But you know if we're playing like tells the coach of this team. We're playing his sister. I think, you know, Ben White again is you know, he I don't I don't see early Bellerin really fitting um well, you know, if yeah. we're talking like a Mikel team as well. But maybe we maybe we don't need to get in on
0: just player yeah. for player. Yeah. Um I think the centre back pairing, I think we've got it. I think it's Saliba and Gabriel.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, who could you even make an argument for? Maybe Coach. Ciccione.
0: Yeah. Ciccione, I think he's the only one you could make an argument for, but to me I don't I think Koscielny was was a really good player and a really good servant but he was someone that you know people say oh Gabrielle's got a mistake in him man you never watch Koscielny if you think yeah. <laughs> that because Koscielny had a mistake in him a lot more often than Gabrielle did um so I think Koscielny though he, he, big William and big Gabby at the back
1: yeah I think he'd be a pretty solid third though uh coming off the bench of course um I don't think you could really make an argument for for anybody else I mean you know, him and Mertesacker had a great partnership. I, uh, I'm i not taking Mertesacker, though, over either, for no. sure. Um, no, I, I No disrespect that. or anything, but...
0: No. And I, th- I think at left-back, for me, there's only one option. It will surprise absolutely no one that it's Zinchenko, because I yeah. love Oleg Zinchenko. Um, I, to me, that one's really straightforward. Uh, Shout-out to Nacho Monreal, who, who I thought was, a, was an excellent. Left back for us during the during the Emirates era, um, one of our better players, uh, one of our most underrated players too. Have you got anything else to
1: throw into the mix there? Not really. No, uh, the, I'd keep the back five uh, current for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I'm
0: with you there. And then
1: in, moving uh, forward, though, it gets a little more interesting. I think. Yeah, there's. I'll be honest with you. I think I've only got. I think I've only got
0: two. Getting, no, no, I've got three. I've got so, three players coming in. So let's start the. The deepest midfielder, I think, is Thomas Partey. I don't. I do think too. There's a. I don't think there's a. There's really a question about. Yeah. Um, well,
1: we went. We went. We needed a defensive midfielder for 15 years. So yeah, I'd say yeah. yeah. It, it,
0: exactly. <laughs> I mean, who else are you going to have there, Cockerlan? I mean, yeah. the only one you you could consider is is Kazola, But I just think for that for that role, I think Party's kind of built for it. We can have Kazola filling in whenever Partey's out injured. So at least get a lot of minutes.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's I think that's straightforward. Um, and the tricky bit is the midfield, trying to get a balance. Um, yep. and for me, I think the I think it's it's again for me. I think it's pretty obvious. I think it's Cesc Fabregas and Martin Odegaard.
1: Exactly what I was going to say. Yep.
0: Yeah, and I think your uh, I think your other alternatives in there. I think uh, Granite Shacker gets um gets a mention. Um, Santy Cazorla, who I do feel bad about leaving out. Um. But I think they're the only they're the only two really for me that are that are challenging that are challenging that.
1: Yeah, I'm 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 not um, I'm not seeing Ozil. Uh, oh, no, I mean,
0: no, I, I I he would not for me, not for me, yeah. and 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 I guess Ramsey is the other one that's the other one that's pretty close. You take two thousand thirteen, Aaron Ramsey, that that's a tough one to leave out. But I think in in Cesc and, and and Odegaard, you've got two generational players yeah I agree and I I just don't think and and as much as I love Santi and I do and I think he's a magnificent footballer I love watching him play I don't think he was quite as good as Fabregas and quite as good as Erdegaard yeah
1: no I agree I think Santi would do really good in that like left eight role where Jacques is but I'm taking Cesc all day for sure
0: yeah yeah I think so um wing, Kyo
1: Saka yeah of course yeah it's gotta be Saka yeah nothing
0: else to add there really we've already done the Saka thing um and, and now we're going to get to uh my other two changes um on the left side for me it's Alexis Sanchez yeah uh, i think the you know martinelli obviously has uh, definitely has something to say about that i think he um he could grow into he could grow into that but alexis for me was a uh, a ray of light in the dark we we weren't great uh for a lot of them years and he was uh he was a, an absolute individual masterclass half the time and he was just he was like a little buzz saw that got everybody going and i i i loved watching alexis play
1: i think he'd fit in so well with this current team too like prime alexis would be uh just a monster in this team i think um not having to do so much on his own and um i think he's actually a decently analogous with martinelli i mean i think the maybe the end products a, a little bit stronger the but you know the the pressing, the drive, the work rate is is, you know, decently similar. I think between the two.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, if Martinelli, Martinelli, obviously, is a, a lot younger than, than Alexis was, then so yeah, I, you true. know, if, if if Martinelli's ceiling is up there, then I'm all for it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, and, so, so you got striker now. I I have yeah, a feeling I don't know who you're going to say. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, up front for me. And again, I I think Jesus has been fantastic for us. Yeah. But I don't think this is close. I think it's Robin van Persie. Yeah, Robin
1: van Persie. Yep.
0: Can't stand him. Uh, I really can't stand him, actually. But he, uh, to me, that that you know that season, that 2012 season that he had, I, he was unplayable, absolutely unplayable. And as good as Jesus is, I, I don't. I think Robin van Persie is the the best forward we've seen at the at the Emirates. And I think another player who. Left in not the best circumstances, uh, who could have been in this list was uh, Emmanuel Adebayor. My oh. my thoughts on Adebayor, I, I I think Adebayor had a ceiling that was pretty much unmatched. I thought he was basically a better version of Drogba with without the mentality. Basically, I I just don't think he I don't think he had it upstairs. I think physically he had absolutely everything. He was an absolute monster, and I think he could have been an absolute legend for us. Um, but he decided to go another way. Yeah. He did, yeah.
1: I didn't even consider Adebayor. Um
0: Well, I, I mean, I didn't consider him because I don't think he he did it anywhere near enough. You know, he's he's definitely not in the company of of Van Persie or or even Jesus really. Um, and you can you can argue he's not in the he's not even in the conversation with with Giroud for third. Um, but it, it, with Adibayor, for me, it's always about what could have been rather yeah. than rather than what was. You know, but I just. Like I said, mentally, I just don't think he, I just don't think he had it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He had a lot of off-field problems too. I know we had like family taking it a lot of advantage of him and stuff like that too. So, so, you know, rough go at it. Um, but yeah, he was, he was, uh, he was pretty special, uh, for, for at least a little while, man, that's a, that's a really strong team though. I mean, I'd love to see the kind of numbers Van Persie would put up with, uh, Odegaard and Fabregas behind, him. um, yeah, I think like, I think, really uh,
0: think Saka would break the assist record. aren't Saka and Saka uh, and Sesko would be fighting it out to see who could top thirty assists. In there, with yeah. Van Persie up front and Alexis up up on the le-
1: on the uh, on the left hand side. Yeah, that, probably. Let me ask you this: Who who are you giving the armband to? Uh, I think I would let
0: Sesk and Odegaard have a fight. <laughs> and 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 you won. the the one of the things i always said with with i was you know i was always sesk over urzil always hey. even when even when Urzu was was absolutely phenomenal and the reason i was is because sesk is an alpha urzil never was urzil was always a secondary player yeah and for me i would always prefer someone like sesk that will drive a team on, on his own through sheer will rather than someone who waits for other people. And as, as genius as Erzil was at times, he was equally infuriating when he would disappear from games and you can never accuse Fabregas of that.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Fabregas might be my, my all time favorite of the Emirates. I know he, you know, the, the, the way he left and stuff like that soured it, but he was just a, just a ridiculously good player. Um, we've seen him win games pretty much on his own. Um, what he get the armband at 22? Uh, it, yeah, I mean, I, just, I, I love Sask. I do. It was, it was tough on me when he left.
0: Um Yeah. And he, he, he dragged them teams through, through a lot. I was there the day against, against Villa when he, uh, he scored the penalty with a, with a broken leg. Um, yeah. And you know, and that was just, but that was just him. And it was the, the sheer sense of will, and it was, it was gutting when he left. And you know, we we were chatting earlier, and I, I don't want to get into this. I just want to bring it up real quick. But we were chatting earlier, and I, I said to, uh, I, I think actually I might have been talking to Pascal and not you, but it was on the chat. But I said that um, that West Ham fans have basically ready themselves. I oh, know I was talking to you actually. Um yeah. that West Ham fans have ready themselves for years for Declan Rice to go to Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a Chelsea fan growing up. He's, he's, you know, his family are all Chelsea fans, and they've they're prepared for that. And we were kind of like that with Fabregas and Barcelona. And that's why if if Declan Rice does go somewhere other than Chelsea, I think it's going to drive the West Ham supporters absolutely crazy. In the way, if Fabregas had left us for let's say Juventus or even worse Man United, it would drive you more crazy because you can. In your head, with Fabregas going to Barcelona, like him leaving us for Barcelona, I don't think was as painful for a lot of people as when he left Barcelona for Chelsea. As yeah, well, weird we, as that sounds, we rationalized it, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can yeah. rationalize him going back to Barcelona, yeah. and even when he joined Chelsea, it was all well. Wenger decided not to not to go back in for him, and that, but that to me was was worse. <laughs> I remember so. He they said it was good sesk and evil sesk when he was in a Chelsea shirt in blue because he looked so weird. In the blue kit, he was evil sesque and um, yeah, it was it was a real shame how it ended with him. But I I would agree he's up there for the as it stands right now as one of the best players of the Emirates era. I do think we are two months away from Saka overtaking him. Um,
1: <laughs> I do. Hopefully. No, I honestly, yeah, I honestly no. do.
0: I think we I think we're we're a couple of months away from from saying well that's that's because Saka. Um, and I I think. Odegaard because he's not quite as flashy might take another six months to a year but I, I do think by this time next year the argument I don't think Van Persie, Ramsey Fabregas, Alexis I don't think any of them are going to be in the conversation for the best player of the Emirates era I think the best the best three or four from the Emirates era are all going to come from this team um, and I think Saka and Odegaard are, are, definitely, are definitely one and two we're not there yet but give it a couple of months and I'm telling you
1: I think we will be well yeah our title would go a a long way towards that you know
0: <laughs> absolutely and yeah. you know, and manager it's Mikel arteta right you you wouldn't take you wouldn't take Wenger in the emirates era
1: i didn't even think about manager um i it's
0: uh pitman's vic cake enough said we don't have to go any further <laughs> but, but but manager for me it's for me it's arteta hmm. I'll take Ivory Wenger, but not Emirates Wenger.
1: You know, I think you know if if you're, man, that's that that's a tough one. I'm I I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, I think with with Wenger, you know, the football was just so nice at times, but he also he didn't um know how to adjust. You yeah, know, I just remember some some major drubbings. You know that hasn't really happened. You know under Mikel once he's got his his team. Um, that's that is a tough one though. I don't know if I'm ready to 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 say Arteta.
0: Yeah, not really go there. And uh best team is this one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah I best...
0: don't I don't think that's even a question. For a lot of people, this is the best Arsenal team that they've ever seen. <laughs> Anyone basically born after kind of nineteen ninety-eight, who who was six when the Invincibles were on. If you yeah. think you're you're like seven, eight at the earliest when you start really understanding what's going on. This is yeah. the best Arsenal team that a lot of these people have ever seen. And let's be fair. The Invincible's got ninety points, I believe, mm-hmm. twenty-six and twelve. Um, if this team this team needs seven wins and a draw to top that. yep, it's uh, pretty sensational stuff.
1: And, and look how young they all are, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we're hoping that this is this is the incline to the apex. It's not. This isn't. You know. This is. This should be. This should be the bottom of this team's curve, not the top.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's insane to think about,
0: really. Yeah yeah definitely for sure so okay mate well that's another quite full show considering we had no football to talk about <laughs> yeah so all right well let's leave it there and um, we'll be back next week check us out uh on the socials we're at tnn pod everywhere um and leave us your uh leave us your 11 of the emirates era as well and we'll We'll see who we get. We'll see how many votes for for uh, Sanya we get because I I think online I've been outvoted with the Sanya White thing by uh by quite a wide margin. So I'll be interested to see uh see how everyone feels about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we'll see you later in the week. Goodbye.
1: All right. Connect.